podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. So what do you think, Russell? What's your thoughts been over the last week? Because I think we need to have a look at Hearts, Ross yep. County and uh, Hamilton. Hamilton as a three games. I take your point about the fact it's a championship club and the two worst clubs in the league. What I like to think of in the positive aspect of it is, though, the fact that Lennon seems to be making the changes that we were maybe crying out for earlier on in the season, such as, of course, I think the biggest difference for me has been uh, the introduction of David Turnbull. I think he's been absolutely outstanding uh, since he came in. He's, he's brought a real energy to the midfield. As well as Sorrow, but I just think as a creative force as well, Turnbull's so positive in the way he plays, which I think seen a real upturn in the performances uh, from Celtic. And I think they're obviously the results. But I also think that the thing that gives me a wee bit more optimism is the other changes he's made as well. Such as, I like the fact he improvised with Ira at right back, and we touched on that last week. And of course, the main one yesterday was Lee Griffiths and Edward up front together. Um, that is what we really wanted to see at the end of the day. Do you know, what I mean, it was you know once you've got those two up front together, you know we were we were desperate last year for the for the Glasgow derby to happen. Remember, obviously the the games got cancelled. Literally, um, it was going to be that weekend, wasn't it? When they Aye. when they stopped when they stopped the league, it was going. And you know we were we were being for the blood because of this Griffiths and Edward partnership up top we thought was going to terrorise them he has managed to bring that back he has managed to get them a game already together there's another one um, before before the game at Ibrox where I think they'll both start again together uh, and I'm quite optimistic about that I fully appreciate what you're saying about not getting carried away with the actual opposition we've beaten during these five games and I do get that point um, but what I'm feeling a lot more optimistic is about the fact he finally seems to be not just trying to do the same thing over the same old setups. Even the midfield looks different. It looks like a diamond four midfield, which I'm not too familiar with us playing before this season as well. So yeah, there is there seems to be a realization of the mistakes that have been made before, or there seems to be more of an acceptance that when he needs to change things, change it. Do you know what I mean? 
Or it, or it could just be the fact if you chuck a hedgehog at a dartboard, it's likely to hit the bullseye. Yeah. So if you change it that many yeah. times, you're sometimes likely to get get it right. And look, when you look at the class in opposition, and I see folk in the comments, and I see folk all the time are saying Rangers are not that good. Well, the Wolves stood their Europa League group that we that we finished bottom. Your, your Europa League group in the same competition, and we played against two quality sides in Lille and AC Milan. And yep. there is probably there is probably cause for confidence with spells in both the Lille games and both the Milan games. But the bottom line is, we we failed to win any of the four games. Yeah. Uh, no, no, we won the Lille game at Celtic Park, right enough. Uh, but we failed. We've two ran up in Lille. They brought it back to two each. If that game would have lasted ten more minutes, we were losing that game. Against Milan, we went two nothing up and completely collapsed right away as soon as they scored. And that, yeah. that that's a worry that I've got. I've got a worry that that, that the mentality of this team ha, has had over the last three four seasons is no longer there. And that's yeah. my worry. And my worry is that the coaching staff have tried absolutely everything to get that mentality back. And it's not going to come back. It's just, it's, it's almost as if this team has just run its course. And that's yeah. what I'm, that's where, that's where I'm coming from. Now, I want us, no, if I'm on, if I'm doing the match day at Ibrox sitting here in my kitchen, I'll be sitting here going, I reckon we can win this game because I am a fan. But deep yeah. down, if somebody's going to ask me, what's your real opinion? I'm going, well, if we get away with a draw at Ibrox, no matter how badly or, or badly or how well people think Rangers are playing, I'm looking at ourselves. I'm looking at ourselves. We've lost three goals against a championship team and we've struggled for spells against Ross County. And, well, I thought Hamilton was not a bad performance. But we're playing against teams that are not in the same league. Yep. Not in the same, not in the same bracket as what Gerard and Michael Beal and Gary McAllister have got a Rangers side. We're coming up against a Dundee United side on Wednesday night, Russell, who have had three decent results in the last three games. I actually thought when I spoke on some Saturday, I actually thought that uh, Dundee United had lost that game. I didn't realise they had got a late equaliser when I came on yep. here. But they've had three decent results. The Beck Kilmarnock, who are a, who are a poor side, actually having a look at it. But they've drew with Hibs and they drew with a Motherwell side as well. Dundee United are a stuffy, stodgy side who know how to get results. And they're the type of side that we've struggled against this season. No, I totally agree with that and I understand where you're coming from. Again, for me it's winner, it's winner bust. So they've got they've got to simply do it. There's just there is no alternative. Um, I do like to think that you know when you get wins, it does bring confidence. Uh, and I think the five wins in the spin, and I think with the with the the eyebrows game, just lurking in the background, I definitely think we will get the result. To be honest with you, um, I'm always more confident, as I say, with that partnership up front as well, which I'm convinced they will go with again. Um, I thought Eddie looked back to his old self, didn't he, against Hamilton as well? Um, and whether it's Dundee United or you're playing in you know the Europa League or the Champions League, if Eddie's on fire, then he can definitely take the defence apart. There's no two ways about it. Um, I do understand there's got to be realism involved because when you've had a season like we have right now and it's been so so negative really so far, um, so many performances. My biggest worry about, I think if we fast forward um, to Ibrox's game, is that we do get an early lead there. Because, uh, you know, like you said against Milan, we went the 2-0 up and then just suddenly once we concede one, just sort of fold. 
I'd like to think we've eradicated that and that by win getting wins sort of helps to sort of stop that being the norm. Um, and it'll be a really big test um, in that match. But as for the Dundee United game, I think it's obviously it's so critical that we do win it. Uh, I think I think we will, to be honest with you. I'm quite confident about that one. He didn't need, he, we don't even need to go as far back as the, as the AC Milan game, Russell. I mean, we mm. were 2 0 up against a championship well. team in a cup final, and as soon as they scored, you saw that we were going to collapse. I and I can't, and I, for the life of me, I can't see Liam Boyce and Gary, uh, and Gary Naismith, I was going to say that, and, <laughs> and uh, Stephen Naismith getting into that AC Milan side, who are uh, no. currently who are currently top of Sierra after beating Lazio 3 2. Uh, it was a great game. I actually watched it, it was, it was a fantastic game. So, our frailty is there, I and mean, if you go back to the game against uh, Rangers earlier on in the season, as soon as we lost the first goal, that was us. We were gone. We were mentally gone, and that's what that, that's where I'm worried about. I, I like us at Hamilton at the weekend as well. I wanted an early goal, and and I was one of the ones at half time who was still quite positive. For all of you who actually think I'm negative all the time, I says mm -hmm. I think we'll score early in the second half. I don't think this this performance is that bad. We're doing what we should be doing against a team which is down the bottom end of the the, the top of the league, who haven't won at three, haven't won at home for three games. We're pinning them back. We're actually creating no bad chances, but our frailties are still there. Our problems are still there. And I'm worried. I'm worried about any game we go a goal behind in now. Mm, I know, I know what you mean. Um it'll be interesting to see what they do with the defence as well, because obviously we had a uh, near bitten playing uh, <laughs> at the weekends, the commentator kept calling them. Um but I mean I don't know. That seemed a wee bit left field for me. I thought he was trying more to settle with the Julian Duffy thing. I'm not sure if uh, I don't know what the script is with Duffy because he was on the bench, but apparently he's not fit. Is that right? I, I don't know. I, um, if he's on the bench, then he's got to be fit to play some part. Now that, that's that's the way I look at it. Uh, I, I know I, I said I, I was a bit different with Brown, but Brown's have got a completely different orbit in that Celtic team. Yeah. Um, Brown needs to be in and about that dressing room, and I think that has been proved time and time again. I would think if Julian was back and Duffy was fit, I, I would I would I would want to see I would want to see. Duffy, Julian, and Ayer play and Taylor. Ayer right back, Duffy and Julian as a partnership, and Greg yeah. Taylor as a left back with Hazard behind them. And that four of that five have got to play on Wednesday night against Dundee United. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that completely. We're getting subbed off already, Paul. I th I think can you hear? Can you actually hear me? Can you hear me? I can yeah. hear you. I can hear you. Aye. Is that better quality? And uh, some of the people tuning in tell me if that's better quality. I've got microphones at the boxes here just to see if um, I'm getting the last one. It's, it's still crackly at my end. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty similar. sure they'll tell us they'll, pre, they'll tell us pretty quickly if it's gash. Um, but anyway, <laughs> still crackly, PJ. Oh dear, dear me. Listen, I know where I'm no longer, right? So you guys keep the chat going. It's rotten. Thank you very much. No problem. I'm just dying to get involved here. I'll just be again. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. That, that was like a that was like a substitution that was going to get made there, and you score in the sub gets his top back on. That's <laughs> to go and sit back. Then uh, you're not getting on the day, pal. You're not getting your one. You're not getting your That's appearance it. bonus. 
Uh, now, <laughs> Michael the boy uh, is asked, what I will say to the, the viewers, and I say this last Monday as well, I haven't got the, the ability to put the comments up, so Paul will be doing that in the background because he's yeah. he, he's in the back still producing the button, uh, pushing the buttons. So, Michael the boy, the comments up there, Sorrow or, Ibro uh, Sorrow or Brown for Ibrox, I'll give that one to Russell. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Uh, what I would say is, when Scott Brown, I would have, I think when we were all picking our team for the Scottish Cup final, we all were, were kind of leaning towards Sorrow because of the, the two games previous that he played so well in. Neil Lennon, it turned out, did get it right by playing Brown. I thought Brown's first half was as good as I've seen him all season, like I said that last week. Can you get that same performance out of him? Even if it means it's only for the first half or 60 minutes at Ibrox, set the tone, set the agenda, have a lead, take Brown off, bring on further energy with Sorrow um, for the final half hour. But, you know, we, we could be in front by then. It might be brilliant to be able to do that, you know. Um, Sorrow's not really put a foot wrong, though. And I think we need to, you need to look at that. I can't think of any mistakes he's made so far when I've watched him. Any glaring er errors anyway. Um it's very difficult to leave someone who's in good form, having such a positive effect on the team, bringing much-needed energy to a midfield that I think deep down we all felt had went a wee bit stale uh, this season, looked a wee bit out of ideas. Now, like I've already said, I feel Turnbull's the creative one, the imaginative one, and the one who's just got a wee bit of uh, magic about him, do you know what I mean, who's capable of something out, out, out the ordinary, um, and has just got a real bit of self-belief about him right now, which I love. But, You've got to give a lot of credit to the part that Soros played in that as well. Um, he is a real buzz bomb in the midfield. He's full of life, full of beans. He, he's always managed to get his toe around a player's leg to try and win it back. He seems to have like legs that can bend the other way. Do you know what I mean? It's quite impressive. Uh, his passing's very direct, um, always on the deck, very often going forward as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I think without being overly critical, what the opportunity Soros takes to play a you know, to fling one along the deck 10, uh, 10 yards is the option that Brown would have went sideways at times. You can see it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he's, Brown would be picked the safer option, whereas Soros probably looking at it going, it's not even that big a risk of the passing play. Let's just get it forward. Uh, I think there's a great argument for both. Um, what the one thing I will say is we know there's no sentimentality coming into it if Brown does, does start at Ibrox. It will be a footballing decision this time and that will be based on the performance he put in in the cup final. Do you know what I mean? Um, but again, of course, he's got to be fit. He's got to be fit, Kev. Do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, he's out uh, the last game with an injury. You can't be rushing back a 35-year-old Scott Brown uh, for a Glasgow derby. You can't just be doing that. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be based on uh, his previous performance and his performances in training. I think the decision gets made easier if Sorrow isn't fit. Uh, no, no, sorry. If Scott Brown, and I'm just getting interrupted by a, a two-year-old there, um, <laughs> I, I think the, the decision is made easier for Neil Lennon if, if Scott Brown isn't fully fit and he's only fit enough for the bench. Um, but my problem is, if Scott Brown is fit and you're trying to get Sorrow and Brown in the, in, in the team, it means either Turnbull or Griffiths drops out. For me, yeah. because Callum McGregor's not going to drop out. Callum McGregor's either getting moved to that getting moved to that left hand side or he's actually getting played further forward in the, the Turnbull role. But you're losing either Turnbull or Griffiths. And they're yeah. the two guys that everybody's been shouting for. So to bring in to, to bring in a It's the Marketers Report.
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Brown, I think for me, if he brings in Brown, you're you're going to lose Griffiths because I can see Turnbull moving to the left hand side, and I can see wow. Christie staying on the right hand side, and uh, Cal McGregor. Well, I can see McGregor moving to the left hand side and Turnbull, and us playing the four four one the four four one one formation. That's what I can see if he's going to bring back in Brown, uh, but I think that I think that you've got the problem there. Bringing back in Brown, you're going to. If we are making great strides, like like some people want us to say that we are making great strides, then bringing back in Brown knocks that momentum away. Yes, yeah, a step back. I get what you're saying it's, there. It's, it's um, a step back. For me, it's got to be Brown or sort of like the uh, like the comments there. I think that's the, that would be. But I, I hear what you're saying. If he brings back Brown, he might on the basis of Soros form, and then if it was to be Griff that dropped out, I would be gutted because I think he's such a threat. Uh, he's, he's he's the one he's the player I think that even Rangers fans would accept puts a wee bit of fear in them do you know what I mean right now and I know right now they'll be in a, a gallus train and all that do you know what I mean and that's fair enough we've, we've been there plenty of times do you know what I mean but I think Griffiths when he's played he looks like he's going to score Um, he has scored most times he's played as well and I think now he's getting starts under his belt him and Eddie to me is just something a different problem um, for opposition centre-halves to deal with it. They've not faced for Celtic yet. And it's really important that we start with as positive a lineup as we possibly can and don't resort, like you say, to 4 4 one ones or anything like that. Now, I, I just think we... It's, it's, it's win or bust, like I say, do you know what I mean? We need to be... We need to just go for it, have a go, because it was we tried to be cagey last time out and it was zero shots on target. It's unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. We need to have a go this time. Um... Try and put the fear, try and flip, flip, flip the, uh, flip the switch the other way around, and have us setting the, setting the pace, setting the tone. Uh, that'd be the, that'd be what I'd be looking for. We we, we done that in the game that we won two nothing at the start of last season. We set yep. the tone in that game and pinned them back. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Neil Lennon and the coaching staff try to do it, do the same. I noticed a couple of people in the comments talking about why, why wouldn't we drop Ryan Christie? And I don't get. Well, I do get why Ryan Christie is a sort of Marmite character with some of the Celtic support, but 
I can't see Neil Lennon dropping his energy for a game at Ibrox. I just can't. So I would see Ryan Christie playing on that left-hand side, all, uh, the right-hand side all the, all the time. I can't see Ryan Christie getting dropped. And he does actually create stuff for us. Um, and I think he's got the energy to put uh, to pin their full-backs, full-backs back. Now, uh, Aero250 says, Mine last season when everyone wrote us off at the winter break, they collapsed under the pressure. Beat Dundee and United and then the pressure will mount. That's what they've not experienced yet. I completely agree, but I still think that even if we do get a result against them at Ibrox and we we do beat Dundee United, until we're level on games with them and it's a level playing field, then they won't feel any pressure. Until it's down to they haven't got any, they haven't got any snookers. Until their snookers have disappeared and uh, we're level with the same amount of games, which have just actually been found out, it won't be in March. Seemingly, we won't be level on the number of games played. It will be March. So there you go. It's going to be March. But then again, if we go into the, the we go into the period with March, four points behind, seven points behind, into what is the the, the money shot of the season, then I'll, I'll be sitting here going, I reckon we can do it if we go into that point only seven points behind. Because then, no, it I... is re- then it is really squeaky bum time. Then it is down to experience how to see it in. But at this point, there's no pressure on Rangers whatsoever. No, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm, I'm going to go a wee bit against it. Because I think actually since we did start getting a couple of wins, uh, I, I don't know, but I was rocked the boat there a wee bit. And certainly went convincing against Hibs. Uh, they were they were a goal down at home to was it was Dundee United was it Motherwell sorry Motherwell Motherwell the bus um, and that's been the first time that they've not been convincing uh, two games in a row in the league as well and it does coincide with us going on a win and run I'm not reading too much into it at this stage because at the end of the day if that was their tests then they have still passed them um, but certainly not in a convincing manner that they were slapping side, uh, teams aside earlier on in the season and you've got to admit the only variable is Celtic is now going to win and run again uh, so I think they can be got at mentally I think the second half of the season is a huge mental test on both teams part can Celtic find the mental fortitude that they've shown over the last few years to show that unbelievable consistency that of winning trophies can they still keep that up? can they go into autopilot I would almost call it and that is just go on that 15 game winning run I think it was was it 13 last year or 11 after the winter break they did in a row, just knocking teams aside, just off the bat, 11 wins in the spin. If we can put a run together, it'll need to be more than that, by the way, but if we can do a win a winning run together, 15-16, that would include beating them on Sunday. Uh, it'd be interesting to then contrast and compare with what scores they get alongside that run, because that's, oh. what, that's what freaked them out last year, was when we started winning games, those games in a row after winter, they could not. They couldn't cope with that. Once we started, I, I, I've got to agree with what the comments saying. I think they've not had that real acid test yet in terms of the pressure being put on by us, and it's time for us to do that now. Do you know what I mean? I think by the time we get to the, the, end, po- the end of this podcast, Doug, uh, Russell, you might actually have me believing that we can win twenty <laughs> games in a row. You could convert me to a believer, and I'll be screaming for the rooftops. Hallelujah! We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Um, so Paul's asking, how do we nullify Tavernier and Barisic? Will Mikey Johnson start to give us that whiff that we've missed so much this season? 
What do you think about that? How do you think? Do yeah, I think it's that? a good question. I think it's a great question. I think it's the million dollar question about the Rangers fullbacks. Uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time watching Rangers games, but I've watched all Europa League one. Um, when when the pubs are open, we were watching the beer garden on the telly. So you watch the Celtic one, the Rangers game on was on after it happens. But they've got wicked deliveries. There's just no two ways about it. Both Tavernier and Barisic, they're delivering the box. We have to be ready for it. We have to nullify it. Um, when you're looking at Barisic, I think it's obvious. You've already touched on it, Kev. I think we bring in Christopher Ayer at right back. If you've got the right options at centre-half, of course. Um, but I don't think Barisic should be having any dramas about facing up to Frimpong again. Frimpong was either instructed not to take him on last time out or shat the bed, one of the two. I'm not entirely sure which one, but there is no two ways about it. Frimpong looked half the player he normally looks against Buona Barisic, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And it was really, really strange to see someone like Frimpong with devastating pace, scared to take his man on. On the flip side of that, Frimpong defensively, as we all know, has his frailties. Um, can he prevent these balls coming in the box as effectively as someone like Christopher Ayer? The answer is no. On the other side, Tavernier's having the season of his life. Um, it's not just his balls into the box that are the biggest threat. I think we need to be really careful about giving set pieces away um, around the edge of the box. Firstly, because his crosses are so good and we look so so frail uh, for set pieces defending them. Secondly, because he could put one in the top bag, top bins. And we know that no one's sold yet on who the goalkeeper, the first choice goalkeeper at Celtic is yet. Um, so he's a big threat to have on you. I think between Greg Taylor and Laxalp, to me, there's not much in it. I don't think, I think very much like Taylor is in the sorrow bracket that he's not done anything to deserve to be taken out the team. Um, mm-hmm. But Laxalp's very much is equal, I think, at left back. I don't see, I know, I know Laxalp's perhaps not been as good as what he was um, when he first joined, but I, I personally don't think there's much in, in that one between them. If anything, Laxalp maybe got a wee bit more dig in the tackle than what, what, what Taylor does. Although Taylor Gibbs is all, I think Laxalt's maybe just a, a harder a harder bloke than, uh, than Taylor is in the tackle, that's all. I don't know, I think maybe Laxalt was just one of those players that you notice more than Greg Taylor. And maybe uh-huh. that, maybe that's just to do, to do with his look or his energy or how he buzzes about up and down up and down that up and down that left uh, left touchline. Yeah. I think Greg Taylor's done well since he's came in. Uh, I think Greg, Greg Taylor gives us a bit bit more um solidity down that side, which is fun. I would I would like to see us at, at one point attempt to put Laxall in front of him and have a have a Taylor Laxall double up there. And that's something Lennon Lennon could do at Ibrox. He could actually end up playing Iron Fringpong on one side and a Taylor and Laxall on the other because of the that Rangers' biggest strength is also their biggest weakness. When, when yeah. you actually look at it, it is. And as you say, has any free kick 30 yards from our goal, <laughs> the teams have actually got a good chance of scoring the way that we've actually been defending them. So for, for Wednesday night, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure the players are in training today and they're not actually thinking about Ibrox on, on, on Saturday. Um it's a great point by Brian Graham, 67. I worry about the goalkeeper lacking game man- and lacking game management. That is something that we have had this season. And we've had it in a lot of games this season. It doesn't matter. It's the big games or, or the or, or the smaller games. We seem to lack game management. I go back to the game at Pataudry 
three two up with ten minutes to go. You should you shouldn't actually be shouldn't they actually be drawn that game the way that the, the way that we drew it as well. Our game management has been poor, poor at times this season, but we have to hope that we get it right. We're not going to sit here and be completely negative. We're not going to sit here and say we want us to lose games because we don't. Many of us want many of us want us to lose games. We just want a bit of shows that we can go into Saturday with a bit of positivity. And yes, we've had clean sheets in the last two games and that, but we've got we've got to be real who we actually played against. Um, January is a big month. I reckon the next four weeks will define this season and the start of next season. What do you think of that? I think the next week. Next week. <laughs> I think the next week. I really do. I think I think um if we if we don't get the result and I understand what uh, Desmond said in the comments about you know the Dundee United game we need to think of that first. I only get on on a Monday Desmond. That's the problem <laughs> I've got I've got to look at both games when I'm on. Um but I think uh, yeah I mean, he's right on what he's saying with regards to if we draw and get beat by Dundee United the whole game's a bogey oh, anyway. The game's a bogey. Game's a bogey do you know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter. Um, I, as I've already said earlier on, which I think we will because we need to. And I think I've still got a wee bit of keeping the faith. I've still got a wee bit of faith that, uh, that, that, that they do have the mentality to win when they need to. Um, and then when it comes to... Obviously, when you're trying to think what I was going to say there, I just completely lost my thread. But I think when, obviously, when it comes to the, the Rangers game, Right, if we were to get it, that'd be seven wins in a row. Seven wins in a row. That'd be the first time we've done that this season. I think we did. We get six earlier this season. I know it's between between competitions, but I think if we were to win our next two games, that'd be seven wins in a row for the first time this season. And that is why this week is so important. See, I tied it back there. Just managed to tie it back to me. <laughs> um, and that is why I think this week is so important, though. Because that would set the tone. If we can get, we do something that we've not done already yet this season and get seven wins in a row together, it's a big deal. If we can beat them, it's a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Close that gap a wee bit. Start thinking. I mean, I know people can't count the games in hand, but we will once it becomes four points is all the difference is if we win all those games in hand. Suddenly, we stop talking about, oh, if we win them, we don't look like winning them. We'll believe that we will win them and we will start calling it a four-point gap to ramp up that pressure right back on the other side. It's all about, as I say, this second half of this season is going to be the me- all about the mental games. It's all about the mental games and, and who's, who's the, bat- the battle of the fittest in terms of what they can what they can do up there. Um, and obviously, we know who's got form for crumbling in the past, but no one could have foreseen Celtics crumble this season that they, that they, that when they had that 2-12 and 12 spell. No one could have envisaged that happening either. So we don't know how it's going to pan out. Um, but it's very interesting to see what happens. I'll go back to the my, my comment about the, the next four weeks being massive, or the next five weeks being massive. We get into a transfer window, and you talk about the mental state of mind of the club. Paul mentioned earlier, um, and he's just made a re- really good point about Taylor. Taylor, 12 appearances, four assists this season, only Christie has more. So, as I say, I sometimes think Waxall. Uh, looked the busier player and the better player. And I must admit, if you go back and have a look at the games, I thought he was fantastic. But I think he has tailed off uh, over the last couple of, couple of weeks. Paul put up a comment earlier on, and it was Roger Mitchell, uh, the former chief executive of the Scottish Premier League, who says that the, the Italian newspapers are talking about Juventus 
and AC Milan being in for Eddie. And the 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 they are going to the for reported thirty million. It's reported thirty million. We can argue about whether he's worth that. We will get that all. But there just there does seem to be genuine interest for for Eduard um, in January from two of the biggest clubs in world football. What would it say to our mental state if we let Eduard go in January? What would that What would that say to the mental state of the club? It's really, really difficult. Um, it's because at the end of the day, Ed is only really sort of shown, as I said in the last couple of games, that he's uh, remotely back to you know anything like his old self. This the rest of the season has it's not really been there for, for Eddie at all. There's eighteen months left in his deal. Has he been offered a contract and turned it down? We don't know really. I would have liked to have thought we'd have offered him a new deal by now, Kev. Do you know what I mean? Usually, you don't let players, especially. Your elite players, your best player, and he is our best player, let's be honest. You don't usually let them get to 18 months left on their contract. £30 million, however, is a lot of money for a Scott, an SPL player, SPFL player, I should say, um, with only 18 months left on their contract. Business is business. Um, what does it say to the mentality? It would say... I don't think it is as much of a white flag. It would all be about when in the window they sell him, Right. So I'm going to be a wee bit cagey with my answer here, but I think I think when they sell him would be important. If they sold him for thirty million the last day of the window and near replacement, that would say a lot of neg- negative vibes about the mentality and that they don't really think we're going to we're going to win the league. Uh, if they do it at the beginning of January and give Lennon a healthy chunk of that to go out and bring in someone who can lead the line for the next three, four, five years. Um, from wherever that may be, you would like to think, as we always say, they've got contingency plans, although we're not quite convinced that they do. Um, but if they do, uh, if they were to sell them early in the window, I wouldn't have that much issue with it if you were talking about numbers like £30 million for a guy who's perhaps looked like since the start of the season, his heart's not really in it anymore and is inevitably going to leave in the next 18 months anyway. Um, but if you were to sell them at the end of that window... Yeah, it's not a good, it wouldn't be a good sign to the supporters. It wouldn't give... We maybe would get a replacement in, but we would all then call that a rushed piece of business and not exactly who Neil Lennon's number one target. And yeah, that could set the tone for a lot of negativity as well. It would, but then football's football. Business is business. And I'm, and I'm, yep. not, trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to bring down the, the, the tone again. With, you were really positive there, and I jumped on your positive bandwagon, Russell. And was, <laughs> yeah. But this is a question that's going to need to be, get asked because it's going to be every single day in January we're either going to get linked by players or we're going to be linked by players or players are going to get linked with leaving. And the club recently came out and told the free supporters groups um, that they, they wouldn't sell anybody in January. I, for one second, do not believe that because it's really not their call. It really isn't their call if enough money comes in. Uh, with the amount of money that we've lost f- during this, this pandemic, um, then if we get a serious offer, and I'm talking about a serious offer, I'm not going to put any figures on what I think a serious offer is. I mean, a serious offer, it makes the board go, wow, I reckon Eddie will go. I reckon yep. any players will go because that is, that is, the fo- that is football business. What would be the statement for me would be if we didn't reinvest any of that money? 
Yeah. And if we believe that Kamala and Ayeti and Griffiths are enough to see us to the end of the season, that would that would be a serious raising of a white flag to me. But what I would actually say is we're always told that January is a really, really tough window. January January is a really, really tough window and you kind of get decent players in January. And it wouldn't surprise me one little bit, knowing the way that we, we work as a football club, if we sell Eddie to make up the massive hole for the lack of Champions League money and the lack of supporters being in the ground. And, sure. and we get sold the, the narrative that we've spent £5 million on his replacement and he's sitting on the bench and I'll be in IA. I think I think I think we'll actually like go down that route. If Eddie leaves, I think we'll get spun that, and we'll sign we'll 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 sign a goalkeeper, a right back, and a wide player. I don't think if Eddie goes, we'll replace Eddie, and that's not me being negative. That's just me looking at a real business point of view. Yeah, you think they already did it when they signed Ayeti in the in the first place? That was with one eye on Edward perhaps leaving in the summer window. Aye, I, th- right. I think. I think Ayeti's already been signed as his replacement. Yeah, I mean, well, Ayeti's a, you know, he's a conundrum to me. He really is. I don't understand. He looked deadly when he first joined. He looked, you know, despite the fact that the whole match fitness element to him, um, when he played, he just looked like, I was like, well, he's got the predator instinct, so that's what we're looking for. Uh, And then he seems to have fallen away badly. Uh, And again, he can't get match fit because he can't get on the pitch. Now, um, but he does, I mean, he doesn't look... He doesn't look as uh, motivated, I don't think, when he comes on as what he did before. Um, a couple of shots of the camera on him in the, in the game against Hamilton. And he did just look a wee bit despondent, in my opinion. And I don't know if he'll be, he's a work in progress. I think with Klamala, I think the fact of the matter is he's doing exactly what we expect now, now with Klamala. I don't think he's ever going to be the answer to be a first-team regular. I think he'll always be someone who, when we're 2-0, 3-0 up, will come on for 20, 10, 20 minutes just to give him a run out and to prove that it wasn't the biggest waste of three and a half million <laughs> ever. But he's never gonna he's never gonna make it as a regular. I'd be extremely concerned if the Italian reports are true. We're bringing in as much as thirty million pounds for Odson Edward and the replacements are already at the football club. That would that would gravely concern me, Kev. It would gravely concern you, but then if I was playing devil's advocate here, which I've got to do on this podcast at times, yep. I would actually say then it's a fantastic bit of business because you've had his replacement in the club for six months. You've <laughs> yeah, had to, of you've had his replacement in the club for six months to get bedded in. So you're not bringing in his replacement right away and hoping that he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah. Your replacement's already there. Um, Michael commented on the, paint, the, well, the painting behind me. <laughs> and what I'll actually say, Michael, if you didn't know what the painting is, then go and look up Scream Adelica by the Primal Scream and you're in for a fantastic afternoon. No, my yep. did the paint. Um, so Terry Tibbs, uh, we're not getting 30 for Eddie. Is that £30, 30 notes for... Seemingly Terry Tibbs is a second-hand car salesman, so is that £30 for one of your second-hand cars, Terry? <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking for a used car, so I might actually contact you after the show. In my opinion, in my opinion, Dembele was twice a player, and we only got twenty million for him, which is true. And we we don't know what the sell-on clause is for Dembele yet. Um, so 
I, I, he has got a point. He has got a point. I think Dembele was a more complete player, but I think uh, Edouard's got the more skills in his locker to actually go higher than Dembele. And what I'll actually say, and he can shoot me, but didn't at me with this, I reckon both these players will leave Celtic and end up with champions. I reckon Dembele and Edouard will both have Champions League winner medal by the, end, by the yeah. time they finish their career. I believe yeah, that. If that's wrong, that's wrong. See, I think we get bogged down on saying you won't only get thirty million pound for them. We won't only get twenty million pound for them. That's not for us to say. We'll we'll sell them for a deal that the club think is a good deal. It doesn't yeah. matter if we think it's a good deal or not. If the club believe it's a fantastic bit of business, they'll do it. And you, you've got with, with Edward as well. You've got the the, the supposed forty percent sell on fee to PSG as well. So I think we're getting to the point, I believe that Ayet has already been brought in as a replacement. And if Eddie stamps his feet loud enough, if a, a serious bid comes in in January and Eddie stamps his feet loud enough in January, it will go in January. Yeah, no, totally, mate. I, I agree. And I think to pick up on the point about the valuation, it's not always, you need to always remember the circumstance as well when players leave. And I think Dumbelli's deal was he'd really, you know, pushed to get out of Celtic and it was at the last minute that he got his move and that maybe did bring the value down a bit such was the desperation on Dembele's part and the upset he was causing to get out towards the end obviously um, and the fact I think he'd called Rogers bluff a wee bit on it all I think all led to the fact that his value was maybe slightly depreciated also remember as well Eddie's broke Dembele's friends under 21 goals record so statistically that also inflates your value above what Dembele's would be um, also remember it's the January transfer window the January transfer window is notoriously difficult to get the players you want and you do tend tend to have to pay over the odds unless it's someone who's not playing a game whereas Edward's never going to be that guy he's the first name on Celtic's team sheet going for I'm, 10 in a row I'm going to correct you there Russell it's only notoriously difficult for Celtic it doesn't seem to be <laughs> difficult for any other teams <laughs> yeah well don't get me started when I think there was a list spread out uh, on one of these one of these podcasts a couple of weeks ago by one of Paul's guests. I can't remember which one, and uh, he actually he listed all the players we'd signed in January. I'm not going to put everyone through that again, especially because I can't remember them all. But oh wow, it was it was depressing to hear. I think there was one good signing out of all of them. That was it. But um, yeah, back to the January window. Naturally, if you've got an asset that you're going to be as your best player in the team and you're going for something as big as 10 in a row, you then, of course, can increase more value on him as well because you don't want to uh, release him. And that is where you start getting numbers like 30 million. And remember as well, we're not coming up with that. That was something that Roger Roger Mitchell said was in the Italian press. So unless they meant 30 million lira, I'm not quite sure that it will be a 30 million pound bid anyway, to be perfectly honest with you. I know. So Italian press is they've got a, a rabid um, sport press and football press yep. across there. So it could just be them firing names. It could just be his agent as well uh, putting his name name out there as well. And if I go back to my really really being really cynical, maybe his upturning form is because this transfer window's coming up, no, <laughs> and and uh, and. He could have a fantastic two games. We want him to have a fantastic two games. We want him to be fantastic to the end of his Celtic career, whenever that's going to be. And if he's only turning up because he's got a chance for a move, because that window's now looming up, then 
well, we've got, we, we, we have got to actually benefit from that. We've got a game on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm going to go back to Paul. Uh, not that Paul's no ever mentioned this, that me and him watched the Lazio home game with Andrew Innes for the primal scream uh, last season. Me and him, and he did spend the whole evening calling Lazio Nazio. He did. So he's a cool guy, and, I'll, and if Andrew's watching, I hope he had a nice Christmas, mate. Game on Wednesday night, well, it was Wednesday afternoon, bizarrely. Uh, three o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Dundee United will be looking to put on a show uh, for the the man for me who was Mr Dundee United, Jim McLean. Mm. Uh, you're a bit younger than me, Russell. So have you got any memories of Jim McLean's Dundee United or, or am I going to need to show my Celtic dad credentials uh, here again? I certainly think you'll remember more about him than I do. All I remember was he was the manager. I think it was it must have been about 2000. Obviously, it's the famous one where he punches the reporter. Um, he says, you think I'm going to answer a question like that? Uh, and he, and he, he sort of punched the reporter off here. I can't even remember his name. But that would be my only sort of memory of, of someone like Jim McLean. It wasn't, unfortunately, my my era as such, Kev. You remember Jim too much. You remember Jim McLean. That that Jim McLean interview was more uh that was when he, be, he sort of became a parody self. I a get bit, you. A bit like Brian Clough towards the end, where football had moved on and young players had become had became prima donnas and they, they weren't into selling a uh, they weren't they weren't into signing seven year contracts for for a uh, forty two quid a week. Uh, so me me and you are both both from the Stirling area, you worked in the Stirling on, on the Boozer in the Stirling area. So I played for I played in the same well, I was at the same boys' club as Duncan Ferguson. So I remember Ferguson when he played for Dundee United. He didn't have a good word to say about Jim McLean. Just because really? f- football was changing at that point and Jim McLean was still giving out YTS thirty six pound a week contracts and expecting the players to sign four year contracts at thirty six pound a week. But to get back to peak Jim McLean in the nineteen eighties. I, I, I first started going to the football in the 1980s and changed days was when Dundee United came to Celtic Park he, he didn't expect to beat them he expected them to come and get a result because McLean had built a fantastic tactically astute side and you look what they've done they won the league and they got to the European Cup semi-final the following year against Roma and they were absolutely cheated out against Roma. Roma brined the referee and that's been proved that Roma bribed that referee. They got to a UEFA Cup final and on the way they bet Borussia Mönchengladbach and, and, and uh, Barcelona. And and this was a small, small provincial club. This is a club which before Jim McLean turned up, didn't have any history whatsoever. And if there's any Dundee United fans out there, you can jump on it. But for me, Jim McLean what Jim McLean maybe done with Dundee United outshone what Alec Ferguson done with Aberdeen? Because I think Aberdeen were a, were a bigger club than what Dundee United were. And for Dundee United to do that with Jim McLean is unbelievable. And and he was ahead of his time. And it's, I find it quite weird. Uh, I find it quite weird that uh, the Rangers fans do not like Dundee United for some utterly bizarre reason when they are glory years under Walter Smith were built under Jim McLean. Walter Smith learned everything uh, he know he know he knew about football 
under Jim McLean because he was Jim, he, he was Jim McLean's assistant manager. That's right. And it, for me, Jim McLean's legacy is not the same as Alex Ferguson because he didn't leave Dundee United. He didn't go when he was considered for the Celtic job in 1983, as Paul's put on the screen there. And also, he was considered for the Rangers job as well. I actually think he got interviewed for the Rangers job before Graham Sooners. And wow. I, think, I think if Jim McLean had left Dundee United, he would have he would have been the same as Alex Ferguson, uh, like aura wise. The thing mm-hmm. about Ferguson, Ferguson was an old school manager as well, but Ferguson changed with the times, and maybe yeah. that's my, maybe that's my one doubt I maybe had about McLean. But then again, he was in the same scenario, he was in the same environment, he was in that Dundee United. He never left Dundee United. I can, one of my main memories about Dun, Jim McLean was towards his end, eh, the end of his management time at Dundee United. And he used to he used to be in that wee director's box with a phone, that wee glass box. He wouldn't go to the dugout because he couldn't get a decent view of the game. And he would sit in that wee director's box and you would actually see him raging at the phone and he would be punching the phone <laughs> down and all of that. Eh? So uh, a Celtic state of mind would like to pay a... Uh, uh, respects to Jim McLean, who is one of the legends of the Scottish game, and our thoughts and our prayers are with his family um, at this what must be a really difficult time for him, especially at this time of year. Now, uh, we played Dundee United on since, Mc, since since Jim McLean's left. Dundee United have been a sort of yo-yo club. Um, for me, I, I love going to Tannadice. I think Tannadice is a great, mm-hmm. a great, great, and it's a great away day. We've got them at home. The other night, they, we've got them at home on Wednesday. Mickey Mellon sets his team up a 3-5-2. They're difficult to beat and they can grind out results. What would your team be on uh, Wednesday, Russell? I think the team on Wednesday, I, I would be definitely looking at the back to find out, obviously, with it, like we touched on earlier, who's fit and who's not. What's the story with Shane Duffy? Because I think I would definitely I would rather have Duffy. I know he's for whatever mistakes he's made this season, I would definitely rather have him playing um, in the Glasgow Derby at the weekend. But to do that, you need to have minutes in your legs. And because he didn't obviously play a part against Hamilton, um, I would definitely be looking to try and get him back shoehorned in the team. Because I can't see uh, Beaton starting at Ibrox. Honestly, I don't see it happening. Um, so I would like to think Duffy will play. I hope Julien's back, because I would like to play Julien. I would like to go with the back five that you actually suggested. Um, give or take Taylor relax out I appreciate the assists and all that but um, I would still go one of the you know either or in that position I'm not too fast um, Ryan Christie's an interesting one for me because I don't think he needs to play I think he's been less effective but I think he's played a heck of a lot of minutes this season club and country um, we all know that you know, I don't think Lennon was happy that he played the three games in that last international break he started all three for Scotland didn't he um, and I think he might you might benefit from coming out the team um, for this one. I appreciate the creative force it is as well, though. And it's not an easy decision to leave him out. Um, but there are other options there. And obviously the interesting one that Paul touched on was start Mikey Johnson. Because Mikey Johnson could be a very interesting weapon for the next game as well. I'm sounding a bit um, presumptuous here that we can just do experiments in this game. I don't mean it like that. I think you need to manage the team properly for both matches that are coming up in the next sort of week or so. Uh, and I think Johnson would benefit from a start, definitely. And I think he looked, I think he looked quite, uh, he's looked quite fresh when he came on as well. Anyway, Christie, I think definitely for me would benefit from not, not starting. 
Uh, in the midfield, I would definitely be playing Sorrow and Turnbull. I don't think there's any two ways about that. I think that's a stick on. And then on the left is an interesting one again. Uh, I don't know if El Yunusi, I think, is looking like he's going to be an impact sub between now and the end of the season. Would you agree with that? Brun, I think Scott Brown needs to be in and around the squad. And it's interesting what you say, what you're, what you're mentioning of squad management. And we've never seen decent squad management this season. Um, and you, Christy has played a lot of games. Would, would I see Frank Pong on that right-hand side? I would only put Frank Pong on that right-hand side on Wednesday night, uh, on Wednesday after, it's Wednesday afternoon, it's no Wednesday night. It's, um, yeah. I, 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 would, I would only see that if Ayers behind him. I, I'm more, I think we can make a, maybe one change, one or two changes in the final third midfield final third, but our defence, the five, yes. in that defence has got to be the defence that's going to play at Ibrox. Yes, um, I agree with that. Uh, uh, Donny Boy 67, glad Kev's no Celtic manager. I'm glad I'm no Celtic manager either, because <laughs> I, would be, I would be absolutely horrendous, and I've got, <laughs> and I've got no doubts about that. Um, so, I would maybe say a couple of changes. Griff needs game time. Eddie needs game time. Mikey Johnson needs game time as well. And that's yep. the three, that's the three things that we've got to look at. Sorrow, Sorrow, and Turnbull need game time also. So that they're, they're the five that I've got to play, and also the ones behind. So I, I can't see them making too. I can't see them making too too many changes for Wednesday for Wednesday night. But because basically squad management has been. Atrocious all this season. I've got I've got to go back to Falcon Hoof. Uh, um, what I doubt actually says is Alex Ferguson changed with the times, and I couldn't see Jim McLean doing it. So I he, the Dundee United players took him to court for slavery with the contracts. That's what I mean when where Russell remembers Jim McLean is where it got into the parody only an excuse Jim McLean. So if you can stop commenting on that about your slavery, we actually agree with you. So we can, we, can, we can get on with that. Paul, Paul's asking, Russell, what's been your Celtic highlight of 2020? It's a nice way to round off the show, isn't it? What the highlight of 2020 has been. It's, it's frustrating because I think winning nine in a row should be the highlight. But obviously the circumstance that happened and did take the shine off it slightly. Um, I still think it is the highlight, to be honest with you. I think that run in general where we came back from you know, a place at the new year where we were a bit concerned that the wheels were falling off a wee bit. Well, maybe not the wheels falling off, it's a bit extreme, but we felt that we were under the cosh. Um, I just thought that that resurgence of Celtic and that 11, that 11 game winning run was quite inspirational, to be honest with you. I think Lee Griffiths coming into the fold during that, that spell was probably my highlight of it because he was uh, proving the doubters wrong yet again. Uh, he was inspirational up front with Edward, scored important goals. Um, obviously got in the bold pointing at Chris Boyd thing, which I loved all that as well. Um, I I think that would be my, that would be my highlight of it. The Scottish Cup win, as I said this year, was I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it more on Monday talking about it with you the next day. To be honest with you, um, even when we lifted the trophy, I wasn't even smiling. I was just a nervous wreck, stressed I'm out. So I'm meant to be the negative one here, Russell. I know, I know. It was just one of those days, there was just so much that was happening. It was, uh, I was just, I didn't enjoy that like I should have, I don't, I don't think. So I, I would definitely say, I would say, you know, the 11 game run uh, when we came back would be my my highlight of the uh, 2020 with Celtic. 
My my highlight uh, has to be winning the quadruple treble. Uh, I think that cup final last week completely topped off what I think is the end of the year. I think that book ends it, and I think yeah. I, I, I was I was thinking to myself like. We have we we done a we done a podcast with Erin Boyle from the Cano Foundation, and I says on that I says on that podcast that the amount of trebles that we've racked up is more impressive to me uh, than winning all the league titles. Uh, just because what we've seen in the last six weeks, getting beat off Ross County and Rangers getting beat off St. Mun, yeah. one slip up in a cup tight, you go thirty six cup games unbeaten. For me, is more impressive. Than winning the nine league titles is more remarkable than winning the nine league titles in a row, and I'm not just saying that because we're so many points behind now. I say I says it a year and a bit ago. I says this for me. This is a lot more impressive than mm-hmm. winning winning the league titles in a row, and I can't change that opinion. I really can't change that opinion. And e- e- even though it was a bit strange, the cup final. I mean, celebrating that moment with my dad. Because the chances are I would have been at the game if I would have been lucky enough in the Celtic ballot. And mind you, maybe not this year, because I think my name will probably be withdrawn from all Celtic ballots in the future because of my views on the Celtic board in the last couple of months. But doing that with my, celebrating that with my dad, Ayer scoring that penalty kick was perfect, the, the guy who introduced me to football, the guy who introduced me to Celtic and the year me and my dad my mum passed away this year and it's been really tough during lockdown for all, for all of us so that point to me is a massive, massive high point yeah. and really, right, right, I'm mad bothered what ends up happening the rest of this season but that that's not going to get took away from me that, that high point's nope. not going to get took away from me in a season. So I've got to say one in the quadruple treble. Um, just for maybe the whole circumstances surrounding it. And I don't think it'll ever be beaten. I mean, I remember um, Martin O'Neill winning her second treble <laughs> in 2000 and thinking that was a massive achievement because that was her second treble. Oh, yeah. And now we've won four in a row. And you're going, mm-hmm. Wow. That'll never get t- taken away from us. I think it's been proved in the last six weeks that'll never get taken away from us. Jungle Lion says, Highlight seeing Naismith and Halliday collecting their runner up medals. Very funny. <laughs> well, if that, if that um, tickles your butt, it is quite funny, but you, I often wonder what happens with these runners up medals. I wonder if anybody's got the runners up medals. Um, and that was quite, it was quite interesting when you watched it because. They didn't need to go up and get them. <laughs> I just went and picked them up for a box because there was nobody handing them out. Eh? That's I, I, right. I, I, I was more, I, I was more happy to see Bruni and Callum McGregor actually picking up the trophy. And they, they, they were shown that they were together with Lenny as well, telling Lenny to get in, telling John Kennedy to get in. Yeah. And that, that's something that shows maybe the spirit is in the spirit is in the squad. World history. Eh, Zinco Vix eight seven five four was that the name of ZX Spectrum? I'm not hundred percent sure. Was that the name of a failed ZX Spectrum? World history, our only beautiful club could do could do that. What a time this is! Truly honoured to witness it. I agree with that. I really, really do agree with that. And as we as we go to the end of this year, I think only time will make us fully appreciate what we've achieved 
even more because we're still in the middle of a storm at this precise moment in time. We're still in a season storm. Um, yeah. So, Russell, just to end up here because Paul's going to need to switch us off or, less, or, or we'll be here all day. Uh, <laughs> what's your prediction for Wednesday night and what's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, Saturday, sorry. I think, Dun- I think the Dundee United match could have some sticky moments. I think it's one that we will get over the line because it's what we do in these these moments and we're going to bring back that magic from this time last year, I'm telling you. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll win 2-1. Was that was that the Dundee United game there? Yeah. Dundee United. What, about, Wednesday, yeah. what about what about Saturday? Gotta stay positive. I can't say all I've said today and then just like suddenly go with the draw, can I? Uh Celtic will win it. It's gonna be it's gonna be squeaky, it's gonna be three two to Celtic. Three, two, Celtic. Goals, yeah, we'll concede. We will concede, but it's gonna be one of those ones we don't know how we've got over the line, but we have. Right. I'm not going to say nothing because I'm going to be doing the Dundee United game. So I'll leave for the Dundee United game. So I just want to thank Russell for coming on. Uh, Paul, thank for you, his, Paul for his fleeting appearance and his production duties and all the commenters and all the viewers. And have a great day, everybody. Cheers. Keep the faith. See you Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.